Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Anyway, I'm kind of excited to talk about Genesis 1. Because I'm an astronomy nut. I like studying astronomy and space, and I love studying the <clears throat> the stars and the planets and all that. And there's all these things out there that scientists try to understand what they're made of, and they're trying to understand this theories of, uh, <clears throat> they try to come up with their own theories of creation and where life came from. And to me, it's right in the book. It's in the Bible. And <laughs> so one theory is the Big Bang Theory, this Big Bang Theory of where the earth came from. I believe that our Big Bang Theory was that God commanded it and bang, it happened. And that's what we're going to read in here today. Boy, my astronomy teacher hated me in high school, I'll tell you. So anyway, we're going to study about the account of creation and who was there to see it but God. God's the only one. He saw it. And he told one of his men, write it down exactly the way I tell you. And so what you see written was written by a guy that had God in his ear saying, here's what happened. Here's how it went down. Write it the way I tell you. So a lot of people can say, well, who who could write the Bible and say how creation went down if nobody was there to see it? And God told him, okay? So that's your best reliable source. Okay, Genesis 1 and 1. Let's go read about what nobody was ever here to see, okay, except the Lord God himself in the creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Okay, in the beginning, God was here. People often say, well, who created God? How did he get here if he's always been here? Well, we exist in linear time. Somebody had to create us. God does not exist in linear time. God has always been. He's always been, even before time itself, okay? I know that's hard for our little finite minds to figure out, but trust me on this in the Word of God, it says so, okay, because he was there. So the entire universe as we know it, even beyond what we know, that is all God's creation. And it says that God created the heavens, meaning everything we've been able to see with our telescopes, galaxies, galaxies beyond galaxies, and stars beyond stars, and space beyond space. All the heavens is is all God's creation. And what's amazing is that of all the thousands of light years of space that was created, the earth gets a special mention. Of all that's out there, and I'm, I'm telling you, there's billions upon billions of galaxies that have billions upon billions of stars in each galaxy, and of all that there is, the Earth gets its own special mention. I think that's significant. You know, people have always said that the Earth is not the center of the universe, uh, you know, pretty much because even the Earth orbits around the sun. But I say biblically, in the spiritual sense, 
the earth actually is the center of all creation. And if you want to get to the center of the center, to the bullseye of the bullseye, go to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the center of the center of all of it, okay? But the earth is the center of all creation. But at creation, the earth was waste. It was void. And it was had darkness upon it, meaning that the earth was in a state of chaos. There was no order. It was empty. It had no form to it like we know of today. But then in Genesis 1 and 3, then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Okay, so now we start seeing God put an order into creation. You can't just have creation and just let it run as whatever it wants. God had to structure order within it. He put order where there had been no order. So we're starting to see structure. We're starting to see patterns take shape. But where it says God created light, most people think of this light as we know of as coming from the sun. I want you to understand that the sun, moon, and the stars, they have not yet been created. We haven't seen them created yet, and there's light without them. And we're not going to see the sun, moon, and stars or galaxies. Anything that generates light, we're not going to see those created until we get to verse 15. So I want you to understand there's light without stars. Where's this light coming from? Okay, it's coming from the Lord God himself. I remember I really, really got in trouble in high school astronomy class when my astronomy teacher, who I don't believe was a believer, he was talking about light comes from the sun and, and you know, all these theories off of that and star creation and all that kind of stuff. But I said that the light, that there was light before the sun, moon and stars were ever created. There was already light here. And he almost got angry with me. I remember I was really, I was about, I think he put me in the hall that we had a NASA representative that was there to teach us about creation. And, you know, the earth was this ball of stuff that flung off the sun and cooled off, you know, and I said, no, the earth was here first, you know. Oh, he didn't like that because that NASA person was in the room. And I think I got sent outside. But (laughs) we believers know that God created light and he created the earth before the sun, the moon and the stars were ever made. Okay, now this violates a lot of scientific theories that uh, the scientists are talking about out there. One theory being that, you know, like I said, the Earth was a big chunk that flew off the sun and it flew off into space and cooled down and made an orbit. Okay, here we have Earth now. That's not the Earth did not come from the sun. The Earth was created by God before the sun was ever here. So here in Genesis, we have light in in, in existence simply because God commanded it. He commanded light, and there it is. The source of light is God himself. It's not a flaming ball of hydrogen like a star is. Now that we have light, we can now count with the very first measurement of time. Time has now begun. God now put time into effect. The first day has now passed. Genesis 1 and 6. Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. And let it divide the waters from the waters. Did you see that? Waters from waters. What's up with this? Very fascinating. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. 
And God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. Okay, I'm right now I'm looking out the window at a firmament. That is the sky. It's not earth and it's not space. It's, a, it's the sky that we see it. But a firmament is a visible, tangible thing, which is our sky. And before the second day, there was no recognizable thing out there to distinguish light from darkness. When we go outside and we look at the sky, we are looking at a firmament that tells us whether it's daytime or night. It tells us the difference between the two. Verse 6 says, this firmament divided waters from waters. Okay, what in the world is that? Okay, something is very different now than from what there was back then. At one time, there was a layer of water in the sky that surrounded the earth. It was up in our atmosphere. It was a huge layer. It's like the earth was surrounded by a shell of water, like an ocean that went around it. And it was not the same waters the oceans were. It was the water above. That's why verse 7 says there were waters above the firmament and waters under the firmament. There's been scientific research of people thinking about this uh, biblical aspect here of water, oceans above and oceans below. And this is what is known as the canopy theory. The canopy theory says there was once a canopy of water above our heads up in the atmosphere until the cataclysm of Noah's flood happened. Then the whole thing collapsed down on the earth and now it's gone. We don't have it up there anymore. We got clouds, but we don't have waters above. Can you imagine going to Galveston? You're checking out the beach. Man, the waves are looking good down there. The waves are looking pretty good up there, too, but I can't surf those. <laughs> it's it just, it just trying to think of how this might have looked, right? So it all changed with Noah's Ark. And this agrees with what we're going to read later in Genesis 7 and 11. It says, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. So you had this release of this, this outer canopy layer that came down to earth, and it has not been back since. It fell to earth when the flood happened. So when God released the, the waters, he released both waters we just read from above and below. It didn't just rain. Also, the deep, the, the springs and the fountains under were broken up earthquakes broke it whatever and then it came up so you had water come from top down and from down up i mean it was coming from all which away now scientists today they debate this canopy theory if there was ever water above us or not if it was was it frozen or was it liquid if so how come gravity didn't pull it down on us and they go on and on and on about it but here in genesis 1 says that God divided the waters apart according to the firmament, which were waters above and waters below. Very fascinating stuff. You think, man, this is weird. Well, it's weird to us because we just don't have it like this anymore. We don't have that upper water layer in our atmosphere today. It's something I want to prepare you for as we go through Genesis, because you're going to see some wild stuff. You're going to see people living in their 800s, 900s of years old, okay? Weather functioned very differently when the water canopy was up there. In fact, Genesis 2 verse 5, when we get there, it's going to tell us that it never rained. It didn't ever rain at all. But the ground and the, everything of the earth got its water from a mist that came from the earth up. It's just different. We're used to getting our water from it coming down, but that layer's not up there. 
So scientists, here's a really good one for y'all to think about. Okay, just read the book of Genesis. You'll get a lot out of it. If my astronomy teacher could hear me now. (laughs) And he can't put me in the hall. But I want you to consider that as we're reading about people who lived before Noah's flood, the reason they were able to live such long lives is because human anatomy was able to live a lot longer with that canopy layer of water up there between us and the sun. It made people just live a whole lot longer. Plus, they, the righteous people lived very long, too. So that's how the earth was originally made before Adam and Eve sinned and tainted the whole thing. We mankind people, we came in and we sinned and we messed a lot of stuff up, didn't we? So God had to come in and alter everything on a planetary scale, altered everything to execute judgment on mankind. Now, we're going to read eventually, the oldest man recorded in the Bible is Methuselah. He lived to be 969 years old. And people today say that's impossible. Well, it's impossible today. Back then, no, because God wanted him to live that long, and plus you had that, that canopy layer. So there's a lot of things that were different back then. So this passage of Scripture here in Genesis 1 has led some scientists in Israel of all places, I found. It was incredible. They tried to emulate, duplicate a pre-flood atmosphere in laboratories, and they found out it, that, that generating a pre-flood environment can regenerate cellular functions in a body. It, it can stop and reverse the aging process in blood cells, for one. It gives you an idea of how people live so long, because they duplicated what this extra water layer would have done. How would that have changed it? They tried to duplicate it. Man, they can grow vegetables in that atmosphere like you would never see. They're, they get huge. They grow like crazy. It's just It was a very different time. And from this study, this is where hyperbaric chamber treatment has come from, where such an atmosphere helps oxygen to dissolve into the body a whole lot easier to increase healing and restoration. So you've heard of people getting in those hyperbaric chambers, and they they duplicate kind of somewhat to a level of that atmosphere so they could heal quicker. It gets oxygen in the bad places. Imagine living in a planetary hyperbaric chamber where you're just feeling great all the time. You throw a few seeds out, bam, you got a garden with tomatoes the size of basketballs and stuff, okay? I mean, it was incredible the way things were back then. But ever since we lost that upper water layer, ever since then, man's life expectancy has become much shorter. Now, back in Genesis 1, there was upper atmospheric water above the firmament, above the sky, and water under the firmament. And this sets us up for understanding Noah's Ark that will be coming along later on. I could go on and on about the effects of these waters because I found so much information, but I would have had to blow an entire sermon time on just that that would have amazed you. I wanted to just give you an idea of how it affected people's lives, which we're going to see as we read on through Genesis. But we read that God made distinctions. He made divisions between these different waters, and he made distinctions and divisions between light and dark. This is the first time that we have seen God say, this is over here and that is over there. We're going to get to a point in the Bible where we're going to understand that there is sin and righteousness, and God is going to say, this needs to be way over here, and this needs to be way over here. So we're already seeing God bring structure and patterns to creation. He's also dividing things that you need to be this way, and that needs to be that way. That's just going to be a pattern we're going to see for the rest of the Bible. Genesis 1 and 9. 
Then God said, let the, and God did not clear his throat when he said that. Genesis 1 and 9, then God said, let the waters under the heavens, now we're talking about the lower level, right? Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, so the evening and the morning were the third day. Okay, so we're again, he divided things again. We have land and water. We have darkness and light. We have, you know, he's saying this is different from that. He's starting to separate things apart. So at one time, the earth was just a big ball of water on the surface. If you were to look at it from space, it just looked like a big old thing of water surrounded by an outer layer of water. And guys, there was no way for man to live on this yet. No man could live the way that was at the time. Everything was wet. And so I think it's interesting that long before any human ever existed, God arranged creation to be able to inhabit man upon it. God was working way far in advance for us to be able to have life. All the stuff that he moved, God moved heaven and earth for you to live here. Okay, so what I'm trying to get at. It's amazing how much God has done for us. So God arranged creation to be able to allow man to be on it. So now we have dry land separate from the seas. And in ancient days, unbelieving pagans thought there were other gods who controlled the depths of the seas. They believed there's these sea gods way down in there that controlled the waters and whatever. And he determined if a ship was going to sink or not and whether your shipments were going to make it. Guys, from here in Genesis, we see that God made all of it. There are no sea monsters. There's no sea gods. It's, it's the God of Israel all the way through everything because he made every bit of it. He created and he controls all of it. Genesis 1 and 14. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Okay, so we're counting days still. We've got time moving along here. Okay, my fellow astronomy enthusiasts, check this out. The earth was here first before the sun and the moon. It was here first, okay? That blows a lot of theories. A lot of scientists are going to be mad hearing that one. You do better off listening to the Bible. The earth is not a chunk of flame that flew off the sun. That's just not the way it happened. The earth was here first, and then God made the sun, the great light to rule the day, and then God made the moon, the lesser light to rule the night. I want you to observe that it says God set them. He set them. 
in the firmament to light the earth. He set them there. Now, the moon, I I tell you, the more I study about the moon, the more I realize how it's got the entire science community all messed up. The science community, they can't figure nothing out because this moon that we have confuses them all the way around. They, They just can't make sense out of it. First off, how did it get there? How did, how did the moon show up like it is? Let me, let me explain. <laughs> There's a theory that the moon is a chunk of earth that flew off during creation, kind of like they think the earth was a piece of the sun that got flung off into space. But ever since astronauts went to the moon and brought samples back to the earth, they've discovered the moon is not even remotely made of the same stuff that the earth is made of. So it couldn't have flung off the earth. It's not made of the same thing. I mean, duh, you can look at it and tell that, right? It's not the same material. So there's another theory called the capture theory, that the moon was another planet that formed somewhere else in the solar system, and it got a little too close to Earth's gravity, and the Earth just captured it, and it's been going around ever since. But if it was captured, then how did the moon's orbit get so perfectly synchronized with the Earth that the same side of the moon has always faced the Earth for thousands of years? It is absolutely perfectly synchronized with Earth. You you have never seen the other side of the moon ever in your life. Your grandparents, your great-grandparents, the ancient Chinese uh, astronomers that have drawn pictures, it's the same moon we got today. It has not drifted just enough to where we eventually see the other side. Show that moon picture. This left picture, that's the moon as we know it. That's the one you've always seen throughout your life. But the right side, that's the back of the moon. And nobody ever saw that far side until the astronauts of Apollo 8 traveled behind it in 1968. Nobody had ever seen that side. Looks like a completely different moon on the other side, doesn't it? You've never seen that side. Not once. They have found the oldest drawings of the moon ever made by man. And they are all, for hundreds of years, if not thousands of years ago, the same moon we have today. You cannot have that happen with a capture effect. It can't be that perfect, okay? So I remember the astronauts were so overtaken by being the first eyes to ever see the backside of the moon that when they were orbiting the moon, they read Genesis chapter 1 and televised it and beamed it back to the earth, which is fascinating. They read what we're reading today. And believe me, they had atheists ready to sue them when they got back. So that blows the capture theory. The moon did not get here by capture theory. It is too perfect. It is too synchronized. You know, the heavens declare the glory of God. And that's one way right there. It's a very powerful way. The capture theory could not have synchronized the moon's orbit so perfectly like this. You know, you take the most accurate timepiece that's ever been made by man. Even they lose a few seconds after so many months. They they drift off a little bit. So the moon has never drifted even the slightest amount for us to have seen the other side over thousands of years. Friends, Genesis says God set the moon there. He set this. God's power is perfect. It can do this. It's... I, Again, I'm going kind of space nuts on y'all right now because that's just the way I am. But this is, you can see God's power in the moon. So how did the moon get there? How did the moon and the sun get there? We read it. God set them there. He put them there. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time 
unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.